0: Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles, That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again today. Thank you so much for joining us today. Stay tuned. I know you're going to be blessed by what we're sharing. We've been sharing a series now for for several weeks on the program on the seven times that Jesus said in the book of St. John, I am. And what we shared with you is how that every time he said, I am, it was always in contrast to, for instance, uh, he takes the the people out into the wilderness and feeds the 5,000 and the multitudes, and while they're in a wilderness place, much like they were when he brought them out of Egypt, headed for the promised land, and he fed them with that bread, it was in that setting that he said, your father's ate manna in the wilderness, and they are dead. But I am the true bread that came down from heaven. In other words, he's contrasting, you thought that was the bread. That's not the bread. I'm the bread. I'm the staple of life. I'm the very staff of life for the human family. And if you'll feed on this, you will live. Uh, You know, uh, when he talks about I am the light of the world, we dealt with for several weeks there where, uh, you know, he talked about um, you thought, for instance, that the law of Moses and the commandments were the light, but that was not the light, I'm the light. Uh, I, I, I'm the light and the life. And so uh, each one of these we could talk about uh, a great deal about them. I don't want to go back and review too much, except to tell you that's always the contrast is, you thought that was, but I am, uh, the, I am the light of the world. I am the true bread. I am the Good Shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am uh, the true vine. And so we'll get into all of those, but we are in the I am the door section. We just began that last week. Now, I I, I want to say very quickly uh, for your reference that if you are enjoying these, but you've missed the first eight or nine of these programs, good news is that we archive everything we air on YouTube. Now, if you don't even have cable, you can go back and watch this on demand. If you're just in a hotel room for the first time and you're seeing this program on one of the networks that we air on, uh, then you you, you you say, well, i actually like to watch this all the time. Go back to my YouTube page and you'll be able to see all that we have archived there. Everything we've aired to date is archived there. And, and, we, and in the last several years, we've been naming the playlist. This playlist will be called I Am the door. Now, uh, you can get it on YouTube. Let me also say, uh, you say, well, I don't have time just sit and watch YouTube. The good news is, it's available in audio format on iTunes. You can go to iTunes and you can download our podcast. We take the audio portions of the program, and we put it up there for your listening convenience. Also, you can go uh, to an RSS feed for your Android device, and you can listen to it on Android. Now, the easiest way to do that is to go to my website, and there is information on the screen at linhouse.com And in the upper right-hand corner, there are icons. There's a YouTube insignia. You can tap on that take you straight to our YouTube page. Matter of fact, our opening page has the most current video on it, and you've watched it there, and it'll take you to our YouTube page. Also, there's an iTunes insignia, or if you will, icon, and there is a little Android uh, icon in the upper right-hand corner. The easiest way to do any of that is simply to go there to the website and tap on it. It'll take you directly there. You can sign up for it subscribe to it. It's free of charge, and every time we upload something, uh, you'll be notified that there's a new video up or there's a new, a new podcast up. We encourage you to share them with your friends. Listen to them. Study them. We encourage you. There's a lot of churches right now that are using some of our materials in their Wednesday night meetings or home groups where they sit down and watch a 30-minute segment, and then they will have a conversation about it. It's a good way to get the Word of God and to, uh, you know, just hear the message over and over again. While you're at the website, if you'd like to, you can give a gift. There's a place where you could give the credit card or debit card there, and we do need your help to do what we do with television. So that being said, I want to get into the Word Today. Uh, Luke, the tenth chapter is where we ended last week. We're going to go back there again. Luke 10, 25 said, Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he answered, and he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? Now remember what I told you last week. Is that this lawyer is asking Jesus, What shall I do to inherit? Now the key word here is inherit. First of all, You don't do anything to inherit. Somebody has to die and leave you something. Now how many know that Jesus died and left you something, and what He left you was eternal life? Now let me me just say this again, because this to me has been a revolutionary thought to me, at least to me. Maybe it won't be new to you. First of all, let me preface what I'm about to say by saying this. I believe that eternal life includes going to heaven when you die. However, in the mind of a first century Jew, he's not just thinking about what's going to happen after I die and go to heaven. He's talking to him about eternal life, which is the Greek word aeonian, or age, or having to do with an age. So it literally could be read like this, what must I do to inherit the life of the coming age? Now, if you think about the life of the coming age, He's not just talking about going to heaven, again, I'm not taking anything from that, I believe that's part of it. But in the life of the coming age was that the age that was coming to the end was the age of the law, and what was about to dawn on this first century was the age of the new covenant, and the kingdom of God being manifested in the earth. And actually what he tells him about this is what produces the kingdom in the earth, not just when you get to heaven, because what he talks about is loving people and caring for folks, loving God and loving your neighbor, which is not just going to get your ticket from here to there, but it's what gets what's happening there to operate here. And so when you start to love your neighbor, it's this world stuff. And, and uh, when you start to, you know, as I shared with you last week, Jesus made this very clear. He said, when you, in Matthew 5.23, I believe he said this, he said, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that you have aught against your brother, leave your gift at the altar and go be reconciled to your brother. Now let me tell you, what he's doing is showing you that your relationship on a horizontal level with your brother is as vitally important as your gift on the altar. In other words, we love the sterile environment of our churches, and we love the rituals of religion, and we love to light our candles, and we love to take our communion. I'm not taking anything from that. That's all vertical worship. But Jesus is saying, listen, your response to your neighbor is just as important as the gift that you have on the altar. As a matter of fact, before you offer your gift, you need to understand that how you treat your brother is how you're treating God. As much as you've done to the least of these little ones, you've done it unto me, is what Jesus said. So He's showing you that worship is more than vertical; it's horizontal, but it's also the outflow of what the kingdom is really about. The centrality of it is about loving one another. Uh, and, and Jesus says, in an, uh, uh, you know, uh, right before His decease, He says, "A new commandment I give you." that you love one another even as I have loved you. And so it shifts everything that flows from uh, a performance base to understanding how to flow from love. What releases me to be able to love my neighbor is when I realize how much he loved me. He said, even as I have loved you. So it's out of the overflow of the love that I receive from God that I give away to the next person I meet. I heard someone say back years ago, our simple mission is simply this, to receive the unconditional love of God, and then give it away to the next person you meet. And so when you love one another, that's the outflow of the kingdom, and it's this world stuff. And it's what this new coming age that they were coming to was about to look like. Oh, if we could get a hold of this. I, I, think it would cause wars to cease. It would definitely reconcile relationships in families and in local churches. And it is the simple thing that really is the central point of the gospel. And it's what made the early church literally irresistible, it was not their doctrine, not their message, not their rules. It was their love one to another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples because of your love one to another. And so that's powerful demonstration of manifesting the kingdom of God and manifesting His glory. That's the kingdom of God being manifest is when you can look in the face of someone who you didn't think maybe was deserving and be able to see God in there and say, well, how I treat this person is how I'm treating the Lord as much as you've done it to the least of these little ones. You've done it to me. I need to get into this uh, I am the door part of it. And this lawyer comes to Jesus and asks Him, says, what must I do to inherit the life of the coming age, if you can hear it like that? He said, what's written in the law? How readest thou? And he answered said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he willing to justify himself. See, that's what happens under the law is we're looking for what justifies myself. Said to Jesus, then who is my neighbor? And I shared with you in the last segment how that under the law they really loved their Greek people from the twelve tribes and their own ethnic groups. But see, what Jesus is going to show them is that there's a Samaritan in this story. It's people who you didn't think you were supposed to love that you love. It's a Samaritan. Because the end of the story is the neighbor is the Samaritan. Now watch this and who is my neighbor? Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jericho, from Jerusalem, I'm sorry, to Jericho, and fell among thieves. This is the part I want to capitalize on. He fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these, three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. Now, I want you to see this in the context of this I want you to see uh, that this, this guy, he said, there was a certain man or str- that, that came and fell among thieves. Now, what I want you to see is that, first of all, this man is left bleeding and dying beside the Jericho Road, and there comes by a Levite, and when he sees him, he passes by on the other side. And likewise, here comes a priest, and he sees him, and he passes by on the other side. See, what happens in legalism is many times what legalism does and what religion does, is it becomes a thief to us. And first of all, it can point out your problems, but it can't change you. In other words, you know, the law can tell you what's wrong with you, but the law cannot give you life. There's not a commandment, verily, that can give you life. In other words, all the law can do is point out how naked, how wounded, how miserable, and how much you're failing. But what I love is that I believe Jesus, first of all, is the Samaritan in this story. And he comes on the scene and says, whatever it costs to make you better, I'm not willing to leave you in that condition. So whatever it costs to heal you, I believe there are local churches all over the world right now that are becoming these ends where we can bring people who are wounded and who have been left wounded and dying and bleeding by a religious system where the life is running out of them i believe that there are ends arising everywhere where you can take these folks to get some oil and wine poured into their wounds and whatever it takes to make them better, it makes them better. Now, I want you to see that this man was left bleeding and dying. Now, what I want to tell you is that I think the thieves that left him wounded and dying are the thieves of an old covenant religious paradigm, because it will always leave life running out of you. There are so many wounded people because we keep using the law to beat them up and to whip them into shape. See, law can change people's behavior. But only grace can change the heart. Now let me take you to John 10 with this thought, because this is where he says, I am the door." In John 10, verse 1, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not but the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way. Now if I were in a preaching setting, I would say to people, now repeat this with me, some other way. And this is what it says, the same is a thief and a robber. And then I would say, say this with me, some other way. But he that climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he hath put forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood, but they understood not what things they were, which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, verily, verily, I say unto you, look at this, I am the door of the sheep. All, all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the doer. By me if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it. More abundantly. Now, what I want you to see is, now this may shock some of you, but the thief of John 10 is not the devil. Now, the devil may be involved in this, but what I'm after is very clearly in John 10, the devil is never mentioned in this chapter. What is mentioned is some other way. Now, the some other way, in contrast, is they thought that the way into the sheepfold was through the law of the Mosaic system, except that nobody makes it in on the basis of the law. The end of the law is there's none righteous, no, not even one. Not even Moses, who was the mediator of that covenant, made it in by the works of the law. God was trying to show us that it had to be by the hearing of faith. Now, what I want you to see is what he's saying here is, uh, he that enters not by the door, Jesus said, I'm the door. So the contrast here is, you thought that was the door. That's not the door. I'm the door. I'm the door. And he that climbs up some other way is a thief and a robber. I submit to you that what's left people bleeding and dying are the thieves of thinking there's some other way into the sheepfold, whether it's your performance whether it's your religious behavior, whether you think if I get all my doctrine right, you know, I've been to places where I'm favorable to their message. But they were more, more impressed with themselves and being right than they were reaching people and opening a door where folks could come in through the door which is Jesus. We preach everything but Jesus. And I'm telling you, man, it is time for us to shift our gospel to where Jesus becomes the central point and the centrality of our gospel flows from He who is the way, the truth, and the life. And He's saying this in contrast. Listen, this man was left bleeding and dying beside the Jericho Road, because I believe the thieves of religion, the priests, the Levites walked by, the thieves of religion had left him wounded and dying. And and Jesus is saying here, (coughs) excuse me, in John 10, He's saying, listen, uh, the thief cometh not but for to kill, steal, and to destroy. And the thief of John 10 is all that ever came before me. Now that can be a whole lot of stuff. But we got to again see the context here. And so you know when 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 Jesus even you know begins to uh, when when Jesus begins to say, listen, I'm I am the door. What he's saying is, listen, there are not a couple different ways in. There are not multiple options. There is one door, and there is one sheepfold. Now he tells them later on, and we'll get to this when we get to uh, in the latter part of John 10, where he says. I'm the shepherd of the sheep. He said, I have other sheep which are not of that fold, but he's going to bring them in to, together and make them one fold. That's the inclusion of both Jew and Gentile that he's bringing together into one fold. And for both Jew and Gentile, he is saying the only way in is through the door, which is Jesus. And any other way does not lead you into life. But to him that is the, the shepherd, the sheep, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and leads them out, and he puts his, and when he puteth forth his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, and they know his voice, and a stranger they will not follow, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were, which he spake. And then Jesus got clear. He said, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I'm telling you, the only way into life is through Jesus. My confidence is not in my ability to do this on my own. Rule keeping does not produce life. Rule keeping produces more rule keepers. It produces condemnation and guilt. It produces people who are wounded and left bleeding and dying. But when you put, turn to Jesus who is the door, and you turn your voice to His voice, He will lead you in through that door. I am the door is what he said here. In other words, anything else is not the door. The context here was you cannot come through the door through your human performance. You cannot come through religion. You cannot come through all of this stuff that this lawyer is asking Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He's trying to tell him, listen, it's not about a doing, it's about a receiving. If you read the book of Galatians, the key words in Galatians are receive, and not achieve. It is inherit, not earn. That's the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Now let me say also that when He brings this man, He does not leave him in the condition He found him in. But He brings him to an end, see, and He says to him, the innkeeper, whatever it costs to make them better, I'm willing to pay the price. I think one of the flaws that I've seen is, and, 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 and some of the grace guys that I know and that I flow with is that, uh, you know, we have so strongly preached acceptance. And I believe in that. I believe in the, and accepting people just like they are. But I also believe that when you find people just like they are, He doesn't want to leave them like they are, wounded, dying no matter whether it was religion or some other thing in life. See, the the reality of it is, is life is running out of people until they plug into the one who is the door, who is the life, who is the light, who is the bread, who is the supply of life. And so when you find folks most of the time who do not know Jesus, not most of the time, but sooner or later, all of them come to the place where life is running out of them but He doesn't leave them in that condition. Just because you love people does not mean you leave them in that condition. You you may have a child or someone who is addicted to substance abuse, and you love that child, but you also love them too much to leave them in that condition. That's That's how I view lifestyles that are in people's lives and patterns in their lives that are destructive behavior he doesn't leave them in that condition. He supplies what it takes and says whatever it costs to make you better, I'm willing to pay the price for it. Listen, you might be sitting there watching me today, and you might be struggling with substance abuse or some other kind of addiction or some other problem in your life. It may be anger issues. It may be relationship issues. It may need that you need healing in your marriage. What I want to say to you today is He's saying to you, whatever it cost to make you better, I'm willing to pay the price. So reach out and, and hear His voice today. Follow that voice. Now what He does is He brings him to this end and He pours in oil and wine. Now I didn't look up this scripture, but you'll note if you know the word, you know that there, the scripture says, there is oil and wine in Zion. We used to sing that as a chorus in our church, a scriptural verse, oil and wine in Zion. Now you say, well why did you bring that up? Because I believe that Zion speaks of the new covenant. Why is that, you ask? Because Hebrews, the 12th chapter says, for you did not come to blackness and darkness. You did not come to uh, the voice of words and fear and trembling. You did not come to a God who said if you touch the edge of the mountain, you'll be thrust through with the dart.' That mountain, ladies and gentlemen, was mount sinai in arabia that's where the law was given so he says you did not come to that mountain but that's the mountain we mostly bring people to every week in church but you did not come to that mount he said you did not come to that mountain but you are come to mount zion and to the city of the living god and to an innumerable company of angels and to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn, which is written in heaven and you've come to jesus the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. The context here is you did not come to blackness and darkness, Sinai, Old Covenant. You have come to Mount Zion, New Covenant. So Old Covenant, Sinai, New Covenant, Mount Zion. And so if there's oil and wine in Zion, what he's saying here is he's pouring in the oil and the wine into the wounds of a man who's been left bleeding and dying. He's pouring some new covenant truth into him so that it can heal this man of the stroke of his wound. And the problem is, is the Levite and the priest cross the street on the other side because they didn't have what it took to make this man better. Religion can heal you, it can point out your problem, but Jesus can heal the depth of your problem. He can heal it to the very core. And so I believe that what God wants to do is take people and bring them into local churches where they're pouring in oil and wine. One of the things we do more than anything else probably through our TV program is we plug people into local churches that are preaching the new covenant, the better covenant, the grace of God. And and and, uh, and we are plugging them in because I believe when you get there, you can be healed of a lot of the devastation. When I think of the casualties of people who've been hurt and wounded and left bleeding and dying because of religion, I sometimes want to weep. But I'm thankful for a Samaritan, a neighbor, if you will, who loves me too much to let me stay in that condition, but has supplied everything I need to make me better. We're about to run out of time. If you'd like to sow a seed into this ministry, to help us stay on the air and to take the gospel around the world. Go online at that website, and there's a place you can give via credit card or debit card. It's also an address where you can send a check or a money order to help us with this also. You could call the number on the screen. There'll be somebody there to take your call. If they don't answer, please leave a message if you'd like them to call back, as sometimes our phones get overwhelmed. So uh, please do that today. We do need your help. God bless you, and thanks for joining in. The word repentance means to change your mind. The message of John the Baptist and of Jesus was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is accessed by a change in our thinking. If you are in outer darkness, there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future. It is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.